previously on Mona's Isle. I don't want to be rude, like, but what are you doing in our hedge? I was, uh... I... Is that a widget console? No way, you play beasts! I just got caught up in this stupid quest in the marshes. Cinturinians. It's called Cinturinians. The quests and beasts are all based on actual myths. There aren't many Manx myths in there, but the Begain of Cinturinians, that's a classic. Proper scary one, too. Well, whatever that thing was, it wasted my whole stash of haste potions. How did it get you? It threw its flaming head at me. <laughs> they do that. Mona? You've gone grey as a crow, Artie. Is there a spare key to the bedroom on the landing? Just the one on the doer. Heavens, you don't think she's scarped? Yeah, I think she has. Don't, Artie! You don't know the roads. I'll go. Come on. Artie stood at the top of the stile. They'd only been out a quarter of an hour, and his dad was already accusing him of dawdling. It wasn't Ashley's fault. Whatever path should have existed through the field they were trudging through had long been mulched away by tractor tyres. His little feet couldn't bridge the crevices of hardened dirt stenciled by the tread, and having to do the whole thing in his old trainers was hardly helping either. Further up, a huddle of sheep watched on, eerily void of expression. After a good many minutes of exhaustive stomping, he made it to the edge of the field. My trainers are rubbing. When can I have my new ones back? His dad didn't reply. He felt no need to repeat that his light-up trainers were going to need to dry out properly before they'd see the light of day again. Dad? What is it? I didn't do it. It's okay, Ashley. No one's blaming you. But I didn't. I... 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 fell in a river. Whatever excuses Dad had been expecting, this clearly wasn't it. Nevertheless, his crinkled forehead softened. You were dreaming, Ashley. Our minds can be... weird like that. He wanted to protest further, but his dad was too distracted helping him navigate his little legs over the stile. It couldn't have been a dream, could it? The waterfall, the wood, the creature. It had all seemed so real. Listening to Mona's Isle, a bewitching tale of adventure and folklore told by me, Kyle Withington, and a host of the Isle of Man's finest actors. So settle in for the Manx myths, mystery, and magic set to unfold. Episode 8, The Ben Vara. 
His dad held out a hand to help him down the other side of the stile, but Ashley paused for a moment, taken by the view. Were adults tall enough to see over the hedgerows all the time? A path snaked through the headland scrub ahead and all the way down to a secluded stony cove. A wave of salty air carried with it the rhythmic swash and scrape of the tide against the pebbles below. Did you know this used to be a route for smugglers? Artie smiled, trying to catch a hold of Ashley's curiosity. What smugglers? For a moment, his dad looked a little stumped. It was actually quite a difficult thing to explain to a nine-year-old. They move goods around in secret and then sell them to make extra money. It's against the law, so they're a bit like pirates, I suppose. Not the kind with the eye patches and the parrots. Do they have cannons? No. Because the Isle of Man is its own country, it has always had different rules about the kind of stuff you can bring in and out. So, for a long time, smugglers made money by hiding things here that were illegal and would have cost them a lot of money to bring into the UK. Then they'd sneak the stuff over in small boats to sell it to anyone who wanted to buy it. And because it was hard to get hold of, those people were often willing to pay a lot of money for it. Was the stuff like treasure? Forget the pirates, Ashley. Less pieces of eight and pearl necklaces and more tea and tobacco and that sort of thing. It was already too late. Ashley's mind was racing away. Once they'd got to the bottom of the path down from the headland, he sped out onto the pebbly beach, eyes peeled, ready to catch a glimpse of tall ships firing cannonballs at each other out in the Irish Sea. Please be careful. We've got enough wet clothes to wash for one day. Ashley picked up a big stone with the hope of flinging it into the sea, but the weight got the better of him and it landed just shy of his left toes. He looked back. His dad was stood back on the path by the headland scrub, studying the dilapidated remains of an old fisherman's cottage, consumed almost entirely by nettles and bracken. Ashley reached into his pocket and pulled out the necklace with the stone pendant. With all the commotion around changing clothes and the sheets on the bed, it had been quite the task trying to sneak it out of the house with him. Carefully holding it up by the string, he noticed that its distinctive glow was lost in the daylight and instead looked to have a light sea foam sheen. He tentatively reached his hand toward the pendant. His fingers touched it, but nothing happened. It just bobbled about in the breeze. He clasped hold of it for a second, looking closer. It was hard to see how he hadn't noticed it the night before, but on the side of the stone were markings. They were soft and worn, but in the right light, he could faintly make out flowing hair and a tail. The sigil of a mermaid. He clambered back across the crunching pebbles and tugged on his dad's coat pocket. Dad? Ashley, I've already told you. Please don't worry about what happened last night. You don't need to explain it. It's all right. Ashley held out the stone pendant. His dad paused for a moment trying to piece together what he was looking at. Where did you get that? This was far from the reaction Ashley had expected. His dad turned the stone over, brushing his fingers against the etched grooves on the front. 
It was in my room. Well, Granny told me it was Mum's room. I found it last night when them sell... His dad shot him an unimpressed look. When the wind woke me up. It was a lie, but Ashley brushed past it. He wanted to hear what his dad had to say. Your mum told me about this. I didn't actually think it was real. Artie picked it up by the string and held it up to the light, making the engraving more visible. The mermaid glinted in the sunlight. Did she make it? No, she, uh, she said she was given it. By who? He smiled. It was warm and peaceful, and one Ashley couldn't remember seeing for a long time. Well, that's the question. He took Ashley's hand. Come on, I'll show you. Tightening his grip, he pulled Ashley along with him toward an outcrop of rocks extending beyond the cove. Artie was so wrapped up in the moment that he barely looked back to notice Ashley's little legs struggling to keep up as he traversed the pits, troughs and ramshackle planks at a mountaineer's pace. As they pushed further beyond the shelter of the cove, the sharp sea wind scratched at their faces. I tell you what, Ashley, it's a strange thing knowing a story of your mum's that you don't. I'll do my best to do it some justice. The path gave way to an expanse of rocky plateau, dotted with little pools where the rain had got caught in the splits and crevices of the slate. His dad guided him across the rocky shelf, making sure he didn't slip or get blown sideways. This far out, the little pebbly cove was all but disguised by the headland. A wooden bench sat on a mound above the rocks. It was the perfect spot to view Granny's house, perched at the very edge of the tall cliff, a short stretch of bay ahead of them. Set into the rocks some way below it was the lighthouse itself, and from there the rocks fell away into the sea, cutting the silhouette of an enormous, weary elephant laying out its long trunk. Here. This is the spot, Ashley, where your mum first told me about that. We were on Easter break at university, and your mum had asked me to come over and meet your granny for the first time. She was pretty much setting me up to move over, which was sweet, but your mum and I had only just started dating. By about the third day in, I started to feel a bit sick being boxed into the back of that tiny car of hers, so your mum asked if she could take me on a wander around the cliffs for the morning instead. We walked our way right out here, to this very spot. And that's when she told me about the Ben Valley. Apparently, sneaking off and sitting on the rocks down here was a thing your mum had done since she was a little girl. I mean, cooped up with Mona in that lighthouse, you can kind of understand why. But there was more to the story than that. She said that one day, she was playing out here, and there was hardly a wave out on the sea, when she spotted something bob up to the surface of the water. Now, to begin with, she thought it must have been the head of a seal. There was a fair few of them around in the little coves here, only she said it had long hair sprouting from the top of its head, shining deep green in the low morning sun. All she brought with her for the trek was an apple from the fruit bowl in your granny's kitchen, and she hadn't yet taken a bite. Wondering if it was hungry, 
she threw the apple off the headland into the water down there. The head sunk below the water for a time. It was long enough that she thought she'd scared it off. But just as she was turning to head back up to the headland, it came back to the surface. It brushed its seaweed hair to one side and raised an almost human hand out of the water, holding tightly to the apple. It gave her a curious look and the apple a curious sniff before taking a big bite with its sharp teeth. Your mum said it devoured the whole thing, core and all. And when it was done, it gave her one last look, then darted away again under the water. Artie paused as his mind got caught up in his own story. He wasn't even looking at Ashley any longer. For a brief moment, he stood there as though it was all those years ago, hiding away for a few moments of peace from Granny Mona. But what about the necklace? Yes, yes, I'm getting to that. Well, you're the one with your mother's curiosity, Ashley. What would you have done next? Bring more apples. There was a soft joy in his eyes. However absurd the story seemed to him, it was clear that he loved the way that Ashley was hanging on his every word. Exactly. That's what your mum said she did too. Day after day, she snuck back to the cove with every last piece of fruit from the bowl. Your granny was going spare, swearing it was one of those little gnome things. Themselves, Dad. Yeah, those. Your mum said she was down here every day that it was dry enough. The creature with the seaweed hair was waiting for her every time. It started to trust her and got brave enough to swim closer to the rocks here, climbing a little further out of the water. As well as the seaweed hair, it had gills around its neck and a long finned fish tail. Of course, from that she believed the creature to be a mermaid. But she'd never heard of anyone having seen a mermaid in the sea around the island before. She went through all your granny's old books up at the lighthouse to see if there was any mention of something like it. And in one book, she found a story of a family who had befriended a creature just like it in a bay a little further down the coast. The story used the word mermaid, but your mum would call it her Ben Vary, the name the Manx used for them. Ben Vary are said to be a little different from the classic mermaids. There must be something in the Irish Sea that makes them, well, <laughs> less inclined to prey on unwitting fishermen. Well, the seasons changed and your granny eventually stopped restocking the fruit bowl. And it was a good few weeks before there was a clear enough day for your mum to get back down to the cove. When she finally managed it, in a brief pause from the drizzle, she stood here and waited for the Ben Barry to appear. But it didn't come. That's when she said she spotted the stone with the mermaid sigil on it. She picked it up and took a last look out at the waves. She said she was certain she saw a patch of floating seaweed vanish beneath the sea foam by the rocks. Why would it give her a stone? Goodness knows. That's just the story she told. I think she thought of it as a good luck charm, or something like that. If I'm honest, until you showed it to me just now, I thought it was just part of the story. Ashley ran his fingers over the markings again. But I can't deny it. 
That necklace fits the description exactly. Maybe there was something to it. Ashley? Yeah? I've thought about it a lot. And I think this is where we should say goodbye to her. It feels right. Artie put out his hand and Ashley caught hold of it. His dad sniffled back a tear. He was right. There was something about the rocky outcrop and the story that made it all feel like a very fitting send-off for his mum. But a gnawing feeling in his stomach said it wasn't the right time yet. It had been a little over a year since she'd gone, but he was still learning new things about her every day, even more now they'd got back to the island. It felt like there was so much more to find out before they said goodbye. He wasn't ready. He clenched tightly to the pendant. Do you think this could be magic? Artie wiped his cheek and looked back at him. It was to your mum. Ashley was nervous, but it was perhaps the first time his dad hadn't been shutting out his mum's stories. There was the faintest hope that he might listen to him. I think it is magic. Dad, it took me to a wood last night. There was a girl. It was Mum. I know it was. The look on his dad's face hardened and he turned away. He sighed and set off back the way they'd come, not pausing a moment to look back or let Ashley catch up. Dad? Ashley ran after him, slipping on the weathered headland path. Dad! This time, Artie stopped and turned around. Tell your mum's stories as much as you like, Ashley. But don't you dare start making stuff up. Your mother's memory is not something you're allowed to play around with like it's a game. listening to Mona's Isle. To get in touch or learn more about the magic, myths and making of the podcast, go to monasisle.im or find us on Instagram at Mona's Isle. If you're enjoying the show, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and please rate us and leave a review. This episode of the Mona's Isle podcast was created by me, Kyle Withington, 
with the support of the Isle of Man Arts Council and Culture Vannin. It features an original score by David Kilgallen. The script was edited by Catherine Thornley, recorded by David Armstrong and Lewis Withington, and mixed by Doug North. The characters in this episode were voiced by Tony Eccles and Joseph Jennings. Thank you for listening, and the full show notes are available on our website.